Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome back to another edition of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond so how has your week been i know it's been interesting to say that i've been burning the candle at both ends (laughs) might be pretty accurate so it's for the most part been for fun reasons so saturday and sunday i had the chance to uh, work on a film set for a short film called The Referral. Oh, yeah, I forgot to ask you. How how did that go? Oh, it was great. Believe it or not, neither day went very long. Oh, yeah? So day one, we filmed at, like, a resort in in Destin, which is, like, an hour and a half from my house. We started around, I think, 10 a.m., got there around 8, and then I was home by 8, 8.30 at night. Nice. Which was really surprising. And yeah, I, I had the chance to work directly with uh, Kevin Almodovar, who we've praised immensely on the show. He filmed both Servi and the Parker Syndrome. So I got to help him out a lot, you know, helping set up lights, um, grab gear for him, you know, help him out with his camera a little bit. And then Sunday we filmed in Fort Walton Beach at, um, you know, Nick Smith, right? Uh, know the name. Uh, I pr- probably know him. He's um, he's a like a local filmmaker and whatnot. He's originally from England, actually. Um, he was a producer on the film. He uh, let us use his garage for the last scene, and um, I was home by two thirty in the afternoon. Wow! So it was really fun set. Um, I actually got to be an extra for one of the scenes. Oh, nice. So I'll be officially making my acting debut and the the funny thing was so that the end of the film basically takes place at a restaurant for an engagement party (laughs) so you know i change i have like a button-up shirt jeans and whatnot and they stick me in the very back and we're about to start and i hear kevin say where's Derek?" and he looks he's like oh yeah i forgot you were in the scene hey can you set up a light for me real quick (laughs) (laughs) of course so so i am I like to think of myself as the best dressed AC that Kevin has ever had. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but other than that, work's been really busy. Um, had to actually work late yesterday. And then I did two podcast interviews right before uh, we started this show. I actually did those at work because one was at like 5.15. So I had to rush home, get everything set up, and now we're here doing the show. And... Last night, uh, you know, we're recording this Wednesday night. I actually got to do a really fun live show on Facebook Live where I listed my top 10 movies of 2019. So oh, yeah, had a yeah. good had a good turnout and uh, a lot of good conversation and everything. So I think the live thing might be something that I look to do at least monthly because it, it was a lot of fun. You know, if I can come up with consistent topics, it might be something I do you know, more regularly from here on out. Yeah, that was cool. I'm sorry it took me so long to get there. Uh, no you worries. Know, life, is, uh, life is busy these days. 
Oh, that it is. Yeah, um, me and my girlfriend, we both had shows in New Orleans this weekend, so uh, we made a full day out of it on Saturday. And then Sunday, um, pretty much just didn't leave the house. Like, I just became a vampire. <laughs> just closed the closed the shutters and uh, just stayed in the dark all day. And I played um, the game I'm reviewing tonight. Pretty much played most of the afternoon and um, did some more comedy Monday night. And um, I got some more comedy coming up this weekend for the Touch Biloxi birthday bash at the Wayward Kraken this Saturday night at 6 p.m., if anybody's in the, the local area, head over to the Wayward Kraken at 6 o'clock. There's going to be com, uh, comedians uh, up first. And we're going to do a couple sets of comedians for like an hour, hour and a half, I think. And then after that, is a good, there's like a bunch of bands that are playing. So it's going to be a pretty sweet night. Will award-winning comedy writer Wally Phelps be in attendance? Oh, he will be in attendance. <laughs> <laughs> No, that actually oh, yeah. sounds really cool. I, the, funny enough, this is going to be the last free weekend that I have for a while because um, I'll be out of town for part of next weekend. Then I'll be out of town all weekend the following week. Yeah, I'll have worked the following weekend. So it's and then I think right after that is Pensacon. Yeah, I forgot about Pensacon. Jeez. Yeah, that's. That's coming up very quickly. Applied so. for my media passes the other day, so I'm still waiting to hear if I get media passes again this year, which we should. I mean, we're doing yeah. panels and everything. I should <laughs> should get my passes. I, I did get the uh, – I don't know if we can officially announce it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Uh, we did get approved for uh, a panel for this show, the sequel to Defending Bad Movies, yes. which I'm calling <laughs> – which I'm calling Defending Bad Movies 2, The Revenge. Yes. <laughs> and we're also going to be doing a panel about the Star Wars sequel trilogy. So if you didn't get enough Star Wars content from my show last month, yeah. you're going to get more. Oh, you should call it uh, Defending Bad Movies 2, The Revenge, quote, and quotations, this time it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> this time. This time. It's personal. In a world. <laughs> In a world uh, where all movies suck. Yes. Actually, we should do, and I, I could, dude, we could record a commercial for it. And I could do we the should. voice. Do the, uh, what was that, Don LaFontaine or whatever his name was that used to do the tr movie trailers? I think you should just do it as Vilker from Survey. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, in a world where four podcasters. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Have to defend bad movies. You record it, I'll add the music. <laughs> I like it. We'll we'll make it happen. But no, Pensacon will be a fun time. And like I said, it's... God, next, before we know it, it's going to be Pensacon weekend. It's just insane. This year's already flying by. We're almost at the end of January. I know. The Vilker voice hurts me these days. I can't do it without uh, going into a coffin fit. <laughs> that hurts. Uh, just hope you don't get asked to do a feature. Oh, I know. Oh, actually, I would like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. That'd be awesome. But uh, on that note, let's go ahead and move into the news for this week, shall we? Yes. As of yesterday, and this comes from NintendoLife.com, Super Smash Brothers turned 21 years old. On Tuesday, the uh, that was yesterday, the twentieth. I think it was no twenty first. Um, 
Let's see, on 21st of January 1999, the original Super Smash Brothers was released for the Nintendo 64 in Japan. Over the last 21 years, it has become one of the most celebrated, adored, and hype-inducing series on Nintendo's platforms. It was developed by HAL Laboratory and published by Nintendo. It gathered a cast of Nintendo All-Stars into one game, pitting them against each other to do battle and whack each other off the stage. The original game had 12 characters to choose from, Captain Falcon, Donkey Kong, Fox, Jigglypuff, Kirby, Link, Luigi, Mario, Ness, Pikachu, Samus, and Yoshi. Um, and at the time, that seemed like a lot. But now, we're up to over 80. 80 <clears throat> and counting. Yes. What are the, uh, they just announced some the other day. Um, what was... Uh, stand by. I will King, Google that real quick. It's Kingdom something. It's one of those Japanese, long-running Japanese... Uh, Nintendo properties that hasn't really caught on in America. Now I can't remember what it was called. Let's see. Um, it should be. Well, I I do want to address this real quick. I don't know if you heard the rumor, but there could be one more character announced this week. Not this week. It would probably be sometime in the spring at the absolute earliest, but it could be Crash Bandicoot. Really? Which, I mean, the fact that they threw in Banjo-Kazooie tells me that most things are possible. I mean, it makes sense. Why not? Because he he was, he did try to take on, you know, <laughs> Mario and Sonic back in the day and that, that ad campaign. Now, if that happens the reveal trailer has to include Mario and Sonic. Oh, yeah. And have, and have the three of them have a, have their first ever face-to-face <laughs> in a game. Like, that would be sick. I love it. Like, it, it needs to happen. I mean, and honestly, why not? Yeah, why, why not? not? Nintendo's got the uh, money for the, for the license. Why not? The new character was Byleth from Fire Emblem Three Houses. That's it, Fire Emblem. I was trying to remember. I knew it was something like that, but I couldn't quite remember it. Which is what uh, <clears throat> Marth and Roy, who were introduced in Smash Brothers Melee, came from. Because those games were never released in the States. Like yeah. It was pretty much a Japanese exclusive, but the characters were so popular. Because they were going to be Japanese exclusive. Yeah. But they, they luckily they left it in the, the U.S. version. Because, you know, Roy was one of my go-to characters from that game. But, oh, yeah. You know, I've praised this series ever since we've really started this show. You know, I, I played the original religiously <laughs> when it came out. Because it was a Nintendo fan's dream. Oh, yeah. To have Mario, Luigi, Link, Fox, Samus, all these characters in one. And to see what it's become, you know, it's it's got to be up there as far as a successful fighting fighting franchises with uh Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter easily. Oh yeah. Way up there. And it's people people are still kind of divided on <clears throat> Nintendo, but one thing that everybody can agree on is that Smash Brothers is fantastic and really none of the games have been terrible. Oh yeah. Even even the one for the Wii U that, you know, no one played because no one owned that console uh was still fun. I mean, it's a testament to the game that you know the <clears throat> the um, the champ like the what do they call it like the most of the they're still using um, 
Which what was the one that came out Melee on GameCube? And, uh, in fighting tournaments. Yeah, fighting tournaments. But which one was that? Was that Brawl? That was the one for no. That was uh, Melee for the Melee. GameCube. That's right. Yeah, they're still using that for like professional tournaments. And <clears> I would <throat> still say that's probably the best overall. But the new one, Ultimate, is is a close second. Yeah. Mostly because they they improved the mechanics from Brawl and the Wii U version. I'm telling you. And just the fact... Go ahead. I'm making my prediction now. I've said this before. I think Nintendo is going to lead the way in the VR space for the next go-round. And we're going to get a Super Smash Brothers in VR. That could be dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, mark my words. It's going to be Nintendo. Nintendo's going to crack the code for, for VR. It wouldn't surprise me because they try to be innovative with all their consoles. I mean, look at the Switch. Yep. And people love it. So mm-hmm. I think if any, if any company is to lead the charge with VR, it's got to be Nintendo. Absolutely. But speaking of Nintendo, our next story comes to us from NintendoEnthusiast.com. Nintendo shares 2020 release schedule for 20-plus Switch games. While Nintendo fans around the world desperately count down the days until a new Nintendo Direct comes along, sharing info about new and surprising Nintendo projects for the upcoming year, the beloved Japanese game company has decided to remind us some of the games coming out this year that they've previously shared with us. And thanks to a new infographic published by Nintendo, we've got a look at over 20 upcoming Switch releases that will be dropping sometime in 2020. Uh, Some that I'll throw out there... Devil May Cry comes out February 20th. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team, March 6th. The new Animal Crossing, which I know got delayed, um, comes out March 20th. Trials of Mana, April 24th. The expansion pass for Pokemon Sword and Shield comes out in June of 2020, and I believe another one in autumn of 2020. Uh, we have Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, which I remember playing that for the GameCube. Uh, ooh, this actually might be really cool. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Oh, I was looking at that. Also, they have Doom Eternal coming, too. Yes. So, g- some good stuff to look forward to uh, in, in 2020. I think I've told this story before, but the one Xbox game that I got all the achievements for was Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I played i will probably be embarrassed to say the amount of hours i put into that game but the lego games are great oh yeah they're they're just they're silly over the top fun games you just shut your brain off and you have fun so if it's lego star wars the skywalker saga is it going to go all the way from episode one to episode nine i believe so sweet that's that's a definite pickup for me oh absolutely I will get that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, I'm getting that day one. I think, you know, we're, we should be getting close to a new Nintendo Direct. I feel like yeah. we haven't had a generic one in a while. Like, we've had specialty ones, but one that just announces upcoming games in general, I don't think we've gotten one of those in a while. I think the next Nintendo Direct, we're going to get a, uh, a Metroid announcement. I have a feeling. Yeah, that's, that's a good call. I, I would agree with that. Because they, I mean, as good as these games are they've got coming out this year, there's still not, like, a big 
Nintendo release. I mean, other than Animal Crossing, they don't really have anything coming out later in the year for the uh, holiday season, and I think Metroid's going to be it. Yeah. I think so. That's that's yeah. my prediction. Let's hope that happens. Uh, let's see. For our next story, from GamesRadar.com, Sega has promised new Sonic the Hedgehog announcements every month in 2020. Um, Sonic 2020, a new project from Sega, will see a steady stream of Sonic-related news released once a month, every month, throughout the year, starting in February. They announced the project yesterday, stating that Sonic 2020 will deliver various new information and projects related to Sonic on the 20th of each month up until December, building momentum to the Hedgehog's upcoming 30th anniversary year in 2021. A dedicated website for, for Sonic 2020 is already live, featuring new key art, Twitter avatars, and phone wallpapers featuring the blue blur himself. Um, Sega also revealed that it's recruiting fan artists to develop new promotional Sonic material this year, though hasn't yet revealed how artists are able to pitch their creations for potential consideration. Um, let's see. Uh, isn't the, the Sonic movie supposed to be coming out in February? Yeah, it's right around the corner. <clears throat> Less than a month. Why have we not seen any, like, trailers or promotion or... There's been some stuff on Twitter. You just have to know where to look. Yeah, but it should be, like, in my face. <laughs> oh, know? I know. I, I I totally agree with that. No, I, I actually saw a new um, commercial because they, they had leaked the Baby Sonic commercial a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. Well, they finally released it in English. I saw that actually on Twitter today. But, I mean, I don't really watch normal TV, so I, I couldn't tell you if I, if there are commercials on mm -hmm. basic cable or whatever. But yeah. it's crazy because I'm actually kind of excited for it. I know. After that last trailer, I was like, this actually looks like something I want to watch. So I was hoping we would get at least one more trailer before the movie comes out. And here it is. We're like, what, three weeks away? And no new trailer? No TV there's spots. Little, there's still a little bit of time. <clears throat> yeah. I, so I, I think we might see an increase in that in the next week or so. I hope so. Uh, but can you believe next year Sonic's going to be 30 years old? Know, don't remind me. <laughs> I mean, I'm right, I'm right there with you. I remember playing the original Sonic game. It's, it's nuts. I remember mm. being crazy when uh, Sonic Adventure 2 came out for the Dreamcast that coincided with uh sonic's 10-year anniversary and i remember getting the um it was like this little exclusive bonus pack you could get with the game that had a sonic coin and a cd with select tracks from the various games i might still have that somewhere at my parents house but um yeah it's it's nuts and i think it's cool that they're actually gonna make his 30th anniversary a big deal because i feel like they missed the boat on his 20th anniversary because yeah. i i don't remember a single thing from it so that should tell you how memorable it was well but, 30th uh, anniversary if they don't uh, come out with a new game they're really missing an opportunity <clears throat> i i think they will because they they hinted that the next game was going to be in the style of sonic mania oh which i think is the right route to go because sonic mania was fantastic that's a good idea so we'll we'll see what happens. I, I'm something I'm very curious about 
in this movie, we have not seen any type of reference to any of the Sonic characters besides Sonic and Robotnik. Yeah. So I wonder if we're going to get like a Tails cameo or a Knuckles hmm. cameo because it there are portions of the the trailers you can tell that it takes place on Sonic's planet. And no one's been talking about it since, but that very first trailer, the one with the awful design on it, uh -huh. at the very end, you see Jim Carrey looking like the traditional Robotnik with the bald head and the giant mustache. Yeah. And you, and you see giant mushrooms in the background. So I still will stand by the prediction that <laughs> he'll follow Sonic to his world. Yeah. And the process of that will alter his appearance. Uh, I, I'll, yeah, I, I agree with that. <clears throat> I just wish we could see one more trailer before it comes out. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. But who knows? Maybe we'll get one in the next week or so. Yeah. And kind of going along with Sonic, our last story comes to us from GameRant.com. Nintendo vs. Sega Console Wars movie premieres in March. I remember hearing about this a long time ago yeah. and have heard nothing about it since, so this is actually exciting. A new movie about the console wars between Sega and Nintendo called Console Wars will be premiering at the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas this March. Seth Rogen is the executive producer, and the directors are Jonah Tulis and Blake J. Harris, who wrote the original novel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Once the film is released, CBS All Access will have streaming rights and is also producing a series based on the book. The story follows Tom Kalinske, the former CEO of video game company Sega of America, and through a series of interviews, discusses the history of the competition between Sega and Nintendo during the 1990s, as well as the conflict that took place. I'm excited I'm actually, to see this. <laughs> I, oh, I, oh, I am too, because, you know, that was, it was a real thing back then. And granted, you know, I was only a kid when it happened, but I still remember the competition between Nintendo and Sega. You mm -hmm. had those who would only play Nintendo games. You would have those who would only play Sega games. Yep. It, it was a real thing. And, you know, I, I, I wish we had that, that same feeling. Cause like it, it happened kind of early on when the Xbox came out. Yeah. You had, you had, it was pretty much Xbox versus PlayStation. And it still kind of is, but not yeah. to the extent it was back then. I mean, you remember the whole the Sega ad campaign? Sega does what Nintendo don't. Like yep. that that whole ad campaign. Like they were cutthroat with one another. Mm hmm. You couldn't do that today because nah. it would just get ripped apart on social media. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I, I would tell people there are two types of gamers: those who like Nintendo and those that are wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I was that kid too. <laughs> but no, I'm actually really excited about this. I was such and, a Nintendo nerd as a kid. Like you, I you couldn't pry me away from Nintendo. Same. It's cool that CBS is actually going to stream it, which yeah, I, yeah. I think is really cool. And that actually reminds me, Picard premieres this week. I know. I'm gonna watch it this weekend. Or as the villains in Star Trek TNG called him, Picard. <laughs> Jean Luc Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this Picard fella? Who's this Picard guy? <laughs> Uh, He's a jerk. On that note, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Go take a number two, number one. 
uh, <laughs> on January of 1976. Uh, Sega releases Heavyweight Champ, the first video game to feature hand-to-hand fighting. It uses controls that simulate throwing actual punches. Let me Talk take about a, early VR. Take a look at this thing here. Ooh, this Let's looks see. cool. Yeah. The, the actual in 19... gameplay. Hmm. 1976. Damn. And then it was remade the following year in September of 1987. Wow. Sega yeah, reused it... it when they released the Sega Master System version of James Buster Douglas Knockout Boxing outside of North America. It was not received well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it looks kind of... I don't know about these graphics, man. They look a little... uh, Kind of ugly. I'll be polite and say they're a product of their time. Yeah, well, that was the 1976 game. It doesn't show any... any, um, It doesn't show any screenshots of the 87 version. Yeah. I mean, it kind of does on the console here. The console itself looks kind of cool, but uh, the console, kinda... like from what you can tell, it looks a little bit like Punch Out. Yeah, it does. Hmm. Well, Interesting. well, well. <laughs> Let's see. In January of 1977, RCA Corporation releases the Studio Two video game console. Ooh, let's see what this bad boy looks like. Studio Two. And there's no pictures. Oh, wait, there is a picture. No, that's the Magnavox Odyssey. Hmm. It looks basically like it has um, two um, phone digit pads on each side. You have to click, you have to click directly on Studio 2. Okay. And then, and then open link. Yeah, let me back up here. Studio 2. There we go. Ah, here we go. <clears throat> that is butt-ass ugly, is what that is. <laughs> what is that? <clears throat> I. It's the RCA Studio 2 home TV programmer. Ugh, that is <laughs> that is not aesthetically just, pleasing at all. R- RCA just, to me, screams a bygone era yeah. of technology. I, what a, I think of when I think of RCA, I think of the VHS tapes that I used to buy to record marathon yeah. episodes of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Mm-hmm. It was $149 when it was released on January 1977, equivalent to $628.65 today. <clears throat> no. no thanks. I, I shall pass. Say no. <laughs> no thank you. Let's no. see. January of 1982, Sega releases Zaxxon, which we have covered this many times, which introduces isometric graphics and looks far more 3D than any other raster game at the time. I think it still looks good. Yeah, I love that font. I know. The the poster is really trippy. Yeah. And I kind of dig that. But yeah, I know we've definitely talked about this before. But the the screenshot, like, it, it looks... You know, this game came out in 1982, but still looks great. Like, this type of graphic style still holds up to me. Kind of looks a lot like Captain Skyhawk, the game I played a couple months back. A little bit, yeah. 
Yeah. I'd like to try Zaxxon at some point. Ooh, the next one up is your favorite game of all time, Derek. I put this specifically <laughs> so I would talk about it. Uh, January 14th, 1987, Nintendo releases Zelda II The Adventure of Link for the Famicom Disk System in Japan only. And I wish you it blow it! <laughs> the game would go on unreleased in America for nearly two years afterwards, and, and we are all worse off for it. It should have, re have remained unreleased in America. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people out there that like that game, and I'm sure it has its merits. If I, Here's the thing. If I'd have played that before I played the original Legend of Zelda, I may like it or like it better than the original Legend of Zelda, but it, it was like... <clears throat> and I, I, I commend Nintendo for trying to do something different because that, that was kind of what they did at the time. You know, Super Mario Bros. 2 was way different than Super Mario Bros. 1, um, you know, Zelda two was way different than the original legend of Zelda, but I don't know. There's just something about that top down, um, you know, perspective that just made Zelda in that era. Like, you know, the original legend of Zelda, um, adventure of link or not adventure of link, but, uh, a link to the past. Like that's just, that is Zelda to me. I don't, it just doesn't work on a 2d like side scrolling platformer type of game it just doesn't work well and that's why i loved playing you know the remastered Link's awakening when it came out because as much as i love breath of the wild i loved going back to that traditional top down explore dungeons yeah. find your items formula of zelda and, and i hope that the breath of the wild sequel finds a way to combine the open worldness of breath of the wild with the dungeons of um you know zelda past did you see I, um someone uh actually tweeted out a picture the other day they um <clears throat> made breath of the wild but made it look like link to the past and it was like it looked like a screenshot and no. it was him looking off the plateau and you could see like all of hyrule like over oh the i had seen that yes that was so cool looking like i would play yeah. a uh Legend, a link to the past version of Breath of the Wild. Like, I would totally play that. Oh, that'd be a day one purchase. Oh, yeah. In a heartbeat. No doubt. If, if I remember right, Adventure of Link, I believe, is on the NES class when it was released. I think they put Zelda 1 and 2 on it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, because I, I remember my favorite memory of that was just passing by it to you yeah. know, pick another game instead. <laughs> Well, I actually have the uh, original um, NES cartridge of Adventure of Link, and I really did give it the old, give it the old like college try to like yeah. go back and be like, maybe it's a good game, maybe I'll like it. Nope, I didn't. I still hate it. Yeah, a little <clears throat> bit of it's unfair, but it deserves it's it. a it's a part it's a part <laughs> of Zelda lore. Yeah. I will say that, but. Not all Zelda games are great. They can't all be linked to the past. Yeah, it's true. On January 2nd of 1988, Electronic Arts releases Wasteland. And Wasteland is a science fiction open world role-playing game developed by Interplay and published by Electronic Arts. It's a futuristic post-apocalyptic post America dest destroyed by nuclear holocaust generations before. 
I like this artwork. That looks cool. The crazy thing is Wasteland 2 came out in 2014. Really? So many years later. And then Wasteland 3 is actually planned to be released this year. Doesn't this look like the cover art to like a 1990s like death metal band? Wasteland. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, That or an early 2000s horror film. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of, um, what's that movie? Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, it does. Yeah, very much so. And the screenshot looks creepy, too. too. What's that thing called? A drool? Yeah. Ew. It's all like, it looks like an alien without skin. It's weird. That's nasty. That's nasty. All right. In 1995, Tamsoft releases Battle Arena Toshinden for the PS1, one of the first fully 3D fighting games. I played this a bit back in the day. I Oh, I recognize the cover of that. Yeah. Never played it, but I, I'm sure I saw that in many a gaming store back in the day. Yeah, a buddy of mine had this game. We played it a good bit on his PlayStation. I haven't played a good fighting game in a while. Yeah, I know. I want to play one, too. Because Comic Zone kind of got me in the mood for it. (laughs) Yeah, I can can definitely see why. Because I thought about... I don't know if I should save Killer Instinct for October... Or if I should just review it for the heck of it. Because I've been wanting to play that game like off and on for the last several months. Man, just go for it. We'll find some good yeah. horror stuff for yeah. Uh, October. Yeah, I, th- I think I will do that. Um, it probably won't be my next review, but it'll be one soon. Let's see. And for our penultimate, we have January 29th, 1996. Duke Nukem 3D is released for MS-DOS. Ah, uh, Duke Nukem. Ah, yes, Duke Nukem. I love playing me that, some Duke Nukem back in the day. That cover art is so <laughs> great. Yeah. We need this to be made into a movie, and we need John Cena to play Duke Nukem. Oh, dude. I would so watch that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Good call. Well, uh, you you said that uh, a while back. Did I'm I? Just, I'm just recalling that. Yeah. Oh wow, I don't remember saying that, but yeah, that's a I w- I would watch that. I mean, he's got the perfect look for it. Just yeah, have does. him go back to his old military haircut <laughs> and just do it. Why has this not been done? It seems like that would have been done years ago. You would think, but uh, you'd think. Well, I don't know. Doom might have. Yeah, true. Might have uh, hurt that a Plus, little bit. Plus, I don't think the that... misogynistic uh, um, Duke Nukem would go over very well in our, oh our my current God. society. <laughs> no. But the thing is, you you got to take that stuff for what it is. It's lighthearted. I know. Like it's, not, it's not meant to have an all... And I know that not everyone thinks that, but it's it's not... Like trying to prove a point or <laughs> yeah. saying that men are better than women. It's it's lighthearted comedy. Yeah. You're preaching in a choir here, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this last one I threw in just for you. On January thirty first, nineteen ninety seven, Square releases Final Fantasy Seven 
for PS1, and we've been waiting for the remake almost as long. Mm. No, I haven't. Uh, I, I'm feeling really cynical. Our good today. buddy Nate uh, retweeted something the other day from one of our other retro gaming buddies on Twitter, and it was he was uh, streaming. I think it was Final Fantasy VII. He was like, "Go over and check out such and such uh, streaming retro, uh, Final Fantasy VII right now." And I put up the GIF of uh, Captain America, where he's like, "Nope, don't think I will." <laughs> 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 I should send him that video that I shot. I think it was last year of me at the the trading post picking up the Final Fantasy game and then putting it back on the shelf. That was a good one. <laughs> you need uh, to make a gif out of that. <laughs> I should. I really should. I mean, yeah. this is widely regarded as I believe the best Final Fantasy game ever made or at least one of the most known and I know the remake has been you know, in the works for a long, long, long time. Well, I had a roommate at the time who had this for his PlayStation 1, and I remember trying to play it, and I think I got through about 15 minutes of it, and I was just like, meh. I had no clue what was going on. I had no interest in what was going on. I was just like, ah, no, nah, no thanks. Yeah, I can remember my uncle playing it, when I was younger, but it, it never held my interest. Yeah. Mm. Like, I can remember him doing it, but as far as specifics, I could tell you nothing. Yeah. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we go into our uh, review for tonight, Derek, you want to give our patrons some shout-outs? Absolutely. As always, we like to shout-out our Wonderful Patreon subscribers who keep the lights on for us. And this week, we'd like to give a shout-out to Xblade07, Daniel Salmon, and John Jekyll. Thank you guys so much. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Yes. Apologize for that being a little loud. <laughs> no, it's good stuff. That recorded really loud. Man, the, the music for this game was so good. I wish I could get my hand. Actually, um, some of the original um, Genesis cartridges for this actually came with a CD of the game soundtrack of the band that wrote the songs for the game. But uh, from what I understand, it's very hard to find. <clears throat> Remember when video game soundtracks were... Like like physical CDs mm -hmm. were a delicacy. Yeah, I love that. They were that. so hard to find. So good. But Comic Zone, it's a 1995 beat-em-up video game developed and published by Sega for the Sega Genesis. An unusual feature of the game is that it is set within the panels of a comic book with dialogue rendered within talk bubbles and sprites and backgrounds possessing the bright colors and dynamic drawing style favored by superhero comics. Now, <clears throat> it was used sort of, um, and there was an original Batman game called the Batman the Cape Crusader in 1988, which came out for, um, it was on, it was an Ocean Software game, and it was for 
computer. I don't think that one ever actually came out on a console, but I remember that game being out, and um, I think it was for Commodore 64, the Amiga, uh, a couple other um, computers at the time. And I really wanted to play that game, but I never, I never got around to playing that. I, w- I would like to get to it one of these days because I heard it's actually a really good game to go back and play. Um, but this, uh, this game, um, actually did a uh, watched a YouTube video on the making of Comic Zone, and uh, it's pretty cool because the guy that um, that see what was his name Peter. Marawick or Marawick or however you pronounce that. Uh, he had the idea for this game like back in the 80s, I think. And um, he actually did a demo of the game that he animated on the um, for the uh, the Amiga. <clears throat> and he uh, got went to the um, the team that developed the Sonic the Sonic team um, and uh, went to them with it and they greenlit it right there on the spot because of the demo. <clears throat> Actually, in this video I watched on YouTube, they had some of the demo on there and it looked really cool. And it was called Joe Pencil Trapped in the Comic Zone. And um, uh, But of course, they were still working on all the Sonic stuff, so it got kind of pushed on the back burner until uh, things started getting developed around 93 or 94 and then it came out uh, in 95. It was one of the la- I think one of the last games that Sega produced for the uh the Genesis because they had already released the Saturn by this time. So <clears throat> but the thing is is like uh, playing this game like I had never played this game before. I was always kind of interested in playing it and, and never seen any kind of video of it or anything like that. Always just kind of saw Remember the uh, you know the print advertisement for it? And they would always show like a screenshot or whatever. Never got to play it, but man, once I dove into it when I first got the Sega Genesis Mini, it like completely just like I don't know. It was like so cool. Like it still holds up. Like the way this game looks, the way it plays, the animation of the the characters, the music, <coughs> the sound effects. Like there's not much to to not like about this game. Of course, it was made for the six button Sega controller, and of course you don't get that with the Sega Genesis Mini. You've only got the three button controller, so it's a little a little unwieldy sometimes. Like trying to use your uh, you know some of your uh, extra items that you can pick up throughout the game. Uh, like you can pick up like bombs and. Uh, health uh health drinks you can you have this rat this pet rat that gets caught in the comic with you and <clears throat> let me let me go inside the a little bit of the plot sketch turner a, a starving artist and freelance rock musician living in new york city is working on his newest comic book named the comic zone comic zone is the story of the new world empire's attempt to defend earth from an invasion of alien renegades with inspiration coming from sketch's oddly vivid dreams and nightmares one night, while Sketch is working on Comic Zone during a thunderstorm, a lightning bolt strikes a panel of his comic. In this instant, the main villain of Comic Zone, a powerful mutant named Mortis, manages to escape the comic book's pages, desiring to kill Sketch so he can become flesh and blood and take over the real world. Because, you know, ad, that always happens. I hate when that happens. Because he does not possess any power in reality. 
Mortison sketch into the world of his own comic, freely drawing in enemies attempting to kill him. Which kind of reminded me of, uh, you remember that uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon, or it was actually a Daffy Duck cartoon, and um, he kept like the the animator actually uh, kept like kept seeing like the brush and stuff coming in and like putting yeah. them in different situations and it turns out to be you know Bugs Bunny kind of reminds yeah. me of that <clears throat> so it's actually really cool the way this game is set up like I said it's a beat 'em up kind of side scrolling uh, I wouldn't necessarily say platformer there's a little bit of platforming in it which kind of can suck sometimes because that was a lot of the way I died in this game was trying to jump from one level to another and there would be like a bottomless pit all of a sudden and you instantly die. And that's another thing about this game that kind of got on my nerves a little bit. It was this game is punishing and unforgiving. Like you get one life, one health bar, and no con- like you get one continue, I think. Yeah, one continue throughout the game. So that's it. (laughs) Other than trying to refill your health bar. And then there's some cheap shit in there where, like, you have to, like, you know, uh, like, take, like, beat up a box or something to, like, get out of the way of something or, like, you know, beat up, like, a big rock or something to get out of your way. And it it takes off your health by beating us up, like, inanimate objects. Like, why? That's so stupid. Why not? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I did find, and I know this is a cheat, but I wanted to finish the game. So, And I knew that I'm not good enough at video games (laughs) to be able to play the game normally. So I went to Google, and I found an invincibility cheat to do in the game. And I did that after failing miserably to get past the second level for about an hour. You know, just going back, going through the same shit, going back, dying, going back. Finally looked up the invincibility and I was doing much better. Like I was actually experiencing the game without worrying about dying. Of course, I did fall off a couple of ledges a few times, which sucked because then you have to go back to the beginning of the level. But then I get to, after about two and a half, three hours of playing the game, I get to level five, and there's only six levels to the game. It's a relatively short game. Get to level five, and I am over this kind of, this chasm where there's lava, but there's another ledge way on the other side, and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. I thought I would try to jump up because there's different places in the game where you can jump up and grab like a pipe or something and you can kind of shimmy like with your hands across the screen. Okay, there was nothing to hang on to. And then all of a sudden an arrow starts to point down telling you that you to go down to go to the next panel. So I was like, well, maybe I need to jump into the lava. So I did that. And all of a sudden I got stuck in the jump position the animation for jumping and I hit the lava and then like slid across the screen in that same position and then jammed myself into the rocky ledge on the other side and couldn't move (laughs) (laughs) I'm like okay so I'm sitting there hitting all the buttons I hit a glitch 
a weird glitch in the game and couldn't do anything. So I was like, you know what? I'm done because I've been playing for almost three hours and my thumb is hamburger at this point. So I think getting to level five is good enough to give a review of the game because I was not going to go back through all that again. You know, they should have released a Game Genie Mini. Ah, they should have. That would have been awesome. That would have been great. <laughs> I, I did want to say real quick, what drew me to this this game, and I, I haven't had a chance to actually play it, but I, I have watched some gameplay of it. The look and style of this game is so unique for that time. The fact that you're actually like physically in a comic book, this game would have taken up so much of my time oh yeah had i owned a genesis instead of a nintendo and that was the thing like playing this i was just like i've never seen another game that did this or even to now has done it like this and this game pretty much did it and perfected it like yeah like you're actually playing a comic book <clears throat> and i got to thinking i was like man there were so many shitty superhero games back then like some of them we've even played on the show here like i played superman or uh, what was it the uh, doomsday superman versus doomsday and uh what else have we played like uh batman forever batman forever like you know batman returns was a decent game it's not bad it's not great but it's not bad but why did they not do this style of game for like spider-man or superman or batman like this would be the perfect like after this game came out like they should have seen like oh we could do a batman game this way or a superman game this way like i just don't understand why it was never done again like i don't even know that know why there wasn't a sequel to this game it makes me think of the ultimate spider-man game for uh i believe it was gamecube that had similar art style, but not to the degree of Comic Zone. Where, and I, I think it's because Spider Man was 3D as opposed to 2D, which is you know what Comic Zone is. But it has the same art style, but it doesn't have the same feel that Comic Zone does. And I think the 2D aspect actually gives it an advantage because you actually move from panel to panel. Yeah. But I I, this this game. <clears throat> You know, it, it looks like a lot of fun, and it looks like something that would be right up my alley. So yeah, I'm, is, I'm excited to try it out. It is a lot of fun. I mean, if I were you, I would go through it uh, the first couple playthroughs like regularly, so you can kind of get a feel for, you know, how difficult the game actually is. Because if you try to play this game without that invincibility cheat, you've got a hard learning curve to learn like. Uh, there, because that's the thing. There are so many different enemy types in this game. Each level, each level is different. Like there's a different aesthetic to each level. There's different enemy types. You know, each level has different kind. Of, and then there's kind of like these, you know, minions that that you fight. There's like um, mini bosses that you can fight. There's this big arena you go in where you fight like three or four mini bosses, like one after another. And it, trying to do that on one health bar and one life, you got to be like hardcore <laughs> to want to play the game that way. Playing it with the invincibility code is honestly at at my age, 
it's that's a little more enjoyable to be able to play the game without worrying about dying every five yeah. seconds. No, I I totally get that. The cool thing is this game's actually been re-released several times. Yeah, a lot. I, it's been re-released a lot. Yeah, it was hidden within the Japanese version of the Sonic Mega Collection, which I still currently own for GameCube. Um, let's see, it was part of the Sega Genesis Collection for PS2 and PlayStation mm-hmm. Portable. In 2007, it was released for the Wii's Virtual Console, Xbox Live Arcade in 2009, appeared in Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection, for Xbox 360 and PS3, and then was put on Steam in 2010. Mm-hmm. So among there other is, things. there is, uh, you know, nowhere you can't get this game. Um, it was yeah. also made available for download on iOS and Android as part of the Sega Forever, Sega Forever Retro Game Collection. Um, so if you want to play this game. There's a hundred different ways to play it. I mean, it's not like this is an obscure game. And um, it's definitely, you know, it's one of those games like made the uh, the Sega Genesis Mini worth the purchase in my, in, mm-hmm. in my mind. Like, I, this was one of the first games I played on it. I enjoyed it, but I really enjoyed it once I put in that invincibility code and I could actually get through the game and see it. Like, just the backgrounds themselves. Like, you could sit there and just pause the game and just look in the backgrounds and, and look at the detail that was put in this game. It's nuts. And that style works so well with that era because it still holds up. Mm-hmm. You know, this game came out in, what, 95? Yeah. Oh, so that's man. 25 the, years later. Just the color palette alone. I mean, it's bright. It, you know, the music is just like in your face and like the, you know, the combat is fast and, uh, you know, different combos that you can do and just everything about the game is just good and it holds up. And, you know, I would have preferred to have, you know, two or three lives to and be able to get like extra lives throughout the game. Um you know, maybe some continues, <laughs> uh, maybe at least three continues uh, instead yeah. of just one. Uh, but because, like I said, trying to get through this entire game on one health bar is is hard freaking core, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that withstanding, I, I'm still very much looking forward to playing it just because of, you know, what you've said about it what I watched on YouTube and what I've read about it. It just, it seems like so much fun. Yeah. And another cool thing about the game is, is as you're going through it, you know, there's, um, when you're ready to go to the next panel, like a, um, an arrow will start flashing for where you need to go. And then he'll jump, you know, grab onto the panel and jump into the next panel. But each time you go back through the stage, like if you die or whatever, some of the panels you can take a different route to get wherever you're going. So there's different panels that you can go through. So you don't have to oh, that's keep cool. playing the same thing over and over. I think that's probably why they did that because they know you're going to be dying a lot and going through these levels a lot. And you don't have to go through the same route, the same, same way every time, which I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's actually really clever. Yeah. But um, but I highly recommend this game if you haven't played it. 
I would recommend if you could get the six button uh, controller to use. I, I'm pretty sure you can get a, a USB six button controller to use for the Sega Genesis Mini. If you can, I would recommend that because from what I hear, it's much easier to play that way with the six button controller because you can do more button mapping with it. And mm -hmm. um, But just playing it with the three button controller is still fun. So that makes the Sega Genesis Mini worth it. And actually, right now, I think you can pick up the Genesis Mini. I think it price dropped to 45 bucks. Now. Wow. So you can pick it up for $45, which, shoot, is completely worth it if you haven't picked one up yet. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun playing this game, and I'm going to continue to play this game. So... It's one of those games that just I'm I never got to play it back in the day. I don't have any nostalgia for it, but it makes me feel like I'm back in that era when I play it. Like I can picture myself, you know, on a Friday night after renting this and just like playing all night long on the weekend. Like it just has yeah. that that feeling to it. And for that alone to make me feel like I'm 17 years old again, I'm going to give it a solid 9 out of 10. That's impressive. Yeah. And like I said, I could have finished this game if I wouldn't have hit that weird glitch. Oh, you'll get a chance to go back and complete it. Yeah, I'm going to go back. I just I I wish I would have taken video of it so I could prove like something weird happened and <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what. Uh that would have made a great Twitter video. Yeah, I should have videoed it. I didn't even think about it. I was kind of aggravated because I had been playing for like three hours and my fingers were starting to hurt, <laughs> like getting Nintendo thumb at that yeah. point. And all well, I wanted those, to do was just finish the damn game. <laughs> it's one of those glitch. things that after the fact, you're like, man, that would have made a great video. Yeah, because I was just like, oh, come on, man. I was so close. Had one level to go, <laughs> like maybe another 10 minutes left to play. No, that that's fantastic, and that, that's a that's a really really high score, and I wasn't expecting that. But uh, no, I'm I'm very much looking forward to, Dude, to playing it. Whenever you play it, you're gonna ask yourself the same question: like, why did they not do an actual comic book character this way in this type of gameplay? Yeah, because it's a great game. I mean, it's awesome. I wish I'd have played it back then. Yeah, I've had quite a few of those. Like as we've been doing reviews for the show, games that I didn't play growing up, I'm like, man, I would have loved this game. Yeah, this is definitely one of those games. This is, you know, uh, I think one of the shining jewels of the 16-bit era. Like I hold this game up there with like Final Fight and F Zero. Like if this would have been on the Super Nintendo, this would have been oh, a purchase. Like I would have owned this game. Uh, I would probably say that I would have done the same. Yeah. So I think I'm going to keep the the Genesis trend going awesome. for next week. I think I'm going to review Toe Jam and Earl. Awesome. I've been wanting to play that. I played it a little bit with Wally uh, a couple of years ago, or not a couple of years, about a year or so ago, when, uh, when he came on to review, um, oh, what was the name of that game? He did it for the one of the Halloween episodes, I think. It was a Genesis game. 
it was decap uh, attack. Yeah, it was decap attack. And uh, yeah, me and him were playing decap attack together on the on the Genesis collection he had for the PS4, I think. And um, they had Toe Jam and Earl on it. We were playing it for a bit, trying to figure that damn game out. Well, I'll have fun with that this weekend. Oh yeah. But uh, but that's gonna bring us to the end of the show. Anything else you want to throw out there before we leave this evening? No, just uh, as always, be sure to check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. New episodes come out uh, every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. For those who haven't listened, it's a combination of uh, a movie review plus an interview with someone who works in the film industry, whether it's a director, actor. So it's a combination of entertainment slash education when it comes to film and television. So. Uh, you can follow the show on social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. Yeah, and if you're in the Biloxi area this Saturday, the what is today, the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, on Saturday the 24th, if you're in the Biloxi area, head over to the Wayward Kraken Saturday evening at 6 p.m. for the Touch Biloxi Birthday Extravaganza. It's going to be comedy. Uh, musicians and Lazy Magnolia Brewing is going to be doing some stuff there that night. Oh, nice. So if you're into uh, local microbrewery stuff, head on out and have some beer with us. They make a they make a great pecan flavored beer. Yes, they do. That and the uh, the Jefferson Stout's really good too. Yes, great. You should that it is. You should try it. It's really good. Yes. But uh, that's all I got for this week. So let me go ahead and play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. We're in individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. And we can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. Also on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where you can throw us a buck a month. And if we hit that $50 level, we will do those extra episodes every month that we keep promising you guys of uh, the extra episodes that we do where we do like commentary tracks and things of that nature and we know you like those so get us back up to that $50 level and if you can't do that leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold so Derek please tell them what it's all about this is the way Okay.